Welcome to my favorite podcast with Noah Marger. I don't care if Justin Bieber calls and wants me to negotiate the rights to his virginity. I don't want to talk to him. Uh, that's, uh, of course, Ari Gold, a.k.a. Jeremy Piven from every dumb guy's favorite show, Entourage. Um, just had to throw that out there. Welcome back to my favorite podcast. If you're watching Entourage, welcome. Thanks for stopping Entourage. Uh, I appreciate you putting putting down the remote for a second just to be here uh, with me and my guest today. Hope everyone's doing all right. Uh, if you're on the West Coast, I hope that you are not engulfed in flames. Uh, it's kind of a, that's the thing that's going on right now. I don't care if that dates this episode because uh, I am on the West Coast right now and I'm a little scared to be totally honest with you guys. Uh, but I hope you're staying safe no matter where you are, even if you're not on the West Coast and you're listening to this. No matter where you are in the world, I hope everyone's doing all right. We're just gonna go ahead and dive right in because I think we got a lot to talk about today. And you're not really here to hear my voice anyway, so I'm going to introduce my guest. My guest today is a screenwriter who you might know from her work on such films as Burning Ducks, See You Next Summer, and Sisters. I pitched the title many times, Bad Habits. Never did I get a response, and that is okay. I am moving on from that. I am so excited to talk to her. I'm shocked she said yes, but then she said I have nothing else in my life going on, so I felt, you know, slightly better about that. But please welcome to the show, Leah Roach. Hello, Leah. Hi, Noah. How's it going? <laughs> it's going all right. How are you? Well, you know, I'm hanging on. That's good. Are you where are you are you safe from fire? That's what I want to know first and foremost. To be honest, this is like so not great of me, but I don't really keep taps on the fires. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so trying like, not to. It yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm in LA, so I guess technically yeah. no, but I could be in danger. I really I really don't know. That's fair. Well, listen, uh if I get the alert from Governor Kate Brown of Oregon that we have to evacuate, uh, I'm going to say let's reschedule uh, <laughs> and we'll just go from there. But uh, I'm glad you're safe. Thank you so much for being uh, on the show. What else is going on besides staying safe from the fires? Anything of note? No, I wish there was. <laughs> I'm uh, Honestly, I'm on a, a Top Chef binge right now. Okay. Started on season one. I am currently on season eleven. It's going wow. really well. Yeah. When did you start that binge? How long have did we take to go from one to eleven? It's probably been about a month. Okay. You are working fast. You yeah. are working fast. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. Congrats. Honestly, wake up, Top Chef. Before you go to bed, <laughs> Top yeah. Chef. <laughs> Best way to start your day. Best way to end your day. In a lot of ways. What is Top Chef's thing? Like, what what's the what's the differentiating factor on Top Chef, or is it just like a really intense cooking show and that's its thing? Okay, so it depends on where you start because Top Chef started, I want to say like early two thousands, and okay. the chefs they have on in like the first and second season are like, who even are they? I don't know them, but right. 
as you go on and as the show like kind of picked up popularity being on top chef was super competitive it's like the best of the best you have to train okay. at like really um high-end restaurants so they kind of pick chefs or cast chefs that are like really high caliber and have won okay. like a lot of awards so it's cool i mean it's like okay so the, <laughs> the concept of the show like i'm pitching it to you is yeah please they start off with a quick fire so it's like some kind of crazy really fast sometimes they have 30 minutes sometimes they have like five minutes to just cook something really really quick um right but they change it every single episode so i think my favorite quick fire was they were like okay come with us we're gonna show you what your ingredients are and they take them out to the vending machine Whoa. and they're like you have five dollars <laughs> So you're going to make a dish with $5 on the vending machine. Good luck. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, without, without, I guess, spoiling Top Chef and spoiling <laughs> that, what, what kind of things are they pulling from? Or is it literally just like chips and cookies and stuff? Oh, man. Some of the stuff they made was really crazy. I think I remember the most memorable one to me was a guy took like trail mix and some kind of cookie and like the peanut butter from some kind of sandwich and like mix oh, wow. it all together to make a nut loaf. Okay. Yeah, it was really weird. But that was honestly you... like really just fun to watch. <laughs> would you would you have eaten the nut loaf had he said, okay, here it is, just purely based on appearance, would you have gone, yeah, I would try that? No, God, no. It looked so bad. <laughs> it looked so bad. <laughs> It's awesome. I love that. I love when high-end chefs are given just absolute trash to work with and they make <laughs> the least appetizing dishes of all time. It's, it's awesome. so sad to watch. Sometimes they look really defeated. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's crazy. You would think that at one end, like, Top Chef is like, I've made it, baby. Everyone's going to know my name. Everyone's going to do it. And then they see you just like sniveling and just so upset that you have like those grandma's can you remember grandma's cookies you remember those they sell those in vending machines yes oh my god yes yes and like a grandma's cookie souffle or something like that and it's just like where the fuck is my life going it's awesome well congrats on the top chef binge um when we have you back you'll have to tell me uh how everything wraps up is top chef still going or anything or like what's the deal um I think so, actually. I think they're up to 16 seasons right now. Not sure oh, what the what the status on season 17 is, but right. with production and everything right now. But I think it is coming back. Home Top Chef making meals from the grocery store, what you got at home. I mean, listen, <laughs> you and I, we're cooking right now. We're cooking on ideas. We need to get in the room in front of some of these execs. It's like, listen, we're the ones watching. We got the ideas, you know, let us drive the bus for a little bit. I'm just saying. <laughs> so, Leah, thank you first and for, for once again for being here on the show. We're not really here to talk about Top Chef, but we are here to talk about maybe something just as good, something I don't know a lot about. You are definitely the preeminent expert in the room. But before we dive headfirst into the world of vampires and werewolves, it's Noe's question. I have to ask, are you Team Edward? Are you team Jacob or are you neither? And I need to know. Okay. There, this is a really emotional question. Um, I have to reveal that I am team Edward. 
through yes. and through. Okay. All right. I'm actually glad you said that. I think that there's a phase in everyone's life where they think they're team Jacob True. and they sort of go through that. But you usually, you know, if you're doing it right, you come out the other side, team Edward. And I'm just curious from a perspective of a loyal team Edward person, what made you, what made you stick with team Edward? What, what's, what's he got going for him that Jacob doesn't? Well, Edward is just perfect. He is like the perfect <laughs> specimen. <laughs> he uh, is sure. just, <laughs> I mean, there's something about it, especially when you're reading the Twilight books as like a young teenage girl, like Edward on the page comes across as like everything you could possibly want in a man. Sure. He's okay. just classy. He is protective. Sometimes overly protective, but that's okay. Right. And he just like wants to baby you almost. I mean, that's what drew me to him. <laughs> that's exactly you know what fair listen fair I, the way you're describing it right now listen that's all the same reasons i'm team edward as well well thank you for answering with such candid and candor i appreciate it you alluded to it we are talking about twilight today uh i have said on this show before that i am braver than the marines for some of the stuff that i have to do uh for this podcast i did an episode about the kardashians with giovanna zavala uh, a couple weeks ago which fried my brain in ways that you know I don't think I'm going to be able to recover from and when you first said that you wanted to talk about Twilight I was a little bit afraid that the same thing was going to happen um I did watch the first movie I want to make that very clear I did watch the first movie to get sort of like a a basis for exactly what we're talking about I know we're mostly going to be talking about the books today so I have to ask you could have picked anything why pick Twilight okay the reason I picked Twilight well it just kind of stood out to me, to be honest. Plus, Midnight Sun just came out. Sure. I am currently listening to it on audiobook. It's fantastic. Um, Stephanie Meyer can really spin a yarn. Sure. I, however, did have the stomach flu, like, back in April. And okay. while I had the stomach flu, kick the shit out of me. It was literally the worst thing that has ever happened to me. I did not okay. move for like a full week. All I could keep down was white rice, which my roommate oh my so lovingly made for me. Um, but during that week, I listened to every single Twilight book on audiobook. And just like, I haven't listened to them or read them since I was probably like 12, 13 years old. So it just really took me right back to being like a preteen. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, those are the vibes <laughs> to say the <laughs> least. Those are the vibes. Um, what was it like reading twilight as a preteen? If you can take yourself back and allow yourself to revisit 12 or 13 year old Leah, what was going through your head while you were reading those books for the first time? It was just like, you know how with Harry Potter, it is like that kind of escapism where you just like you want to be in that world so bad that you just kind of like want something out of the mundane with magic and everything twilight is like that but with like love and romance and like having this kind of like otherworldly uh vampire man come into your life and like 
choose you and see you as like this really kind of special being, which I think Stephanie Meyer wrote it in a way so that like any young woman could kind of project onto Bella and think like, oh, I am Bella. So yeah, it was just like, it was one of those formative books for me. I think that was the first series that I ever really got into it. Like I was obsessive about it, which I think like so many other teenage girls were, (laughs) but it just, it was like the kind of world where you're like, I want to move to Forks, Washington and meet a vampire and fall in love and have him change me forever. Listen, (laughs) you know, when you're, when you're in that world, sometimes when you're really sucked in, you know, no pun intended, I guess, um, when you're really, you know, sucked into that world, you know, you believe, you believe you are there, you know, sometimes that's sort of the magic of the whole thing. Do you remember how the Twilight books came into your life? I remember being in middle school myself and just sort of seeing them pop up one day. Like it was like, oh, people are reading this now. This is like the new book. Did you have a similar experience? How did you find out about Twilight? Weirdly enough, I found out about Twilight through my older brothers, which anything they read, like I wanted to read too. So both of them had been reading the Twilight series. And I think we went to go see the first movie when it came out i think we were in like sixth grade yeah Um, but after seeing that movie i was like i'm in i'm wholeheartedly (laughs) in i love that the it's interesting i like i said i watched the first movie for this show specifically and it was one of those things where at first you know all my all my knowledge about what twilight was was purely from being in sixth and seventh grade and watching girls <laughs> read the Twilight books in the hall. And I remember one of my best friends at the time, we would like shit on it on the bus and we're like, oh man, this fuck Twilight, you know, all that stuff. And then I remember getting to school in the morning and he had gotten there before me and he was reading Twilight. <laughs> and I just went up to him and I was like, bro, what are you doing? And I just remember like, totally neutral expression he looked at me and was like dude it's actually pretty good like he was like (laughs) super into it so you know it just they started it seemed like it just sprouted like uh weeds what i was shocked to find out is that the first book came out in 2005 which i didn't realize it came out earlier than when we were like when people actually started reading it which is crazy yeah i think the first movie coming out really kind of set everyone on the books yeah, no, 100%. It was like, oh, shit, I got to, you know, read the book before I go see that movie. So speaking of the movie, uh, how many of are you as, I guess, fluent in the movie as you are fluent in the book world? Like, are you would you call yourself like a dual citizen of the Twilight <laughs> experience? I guess. Are you as into the books as you are into the movies? Like, where do we stand on that? I would say I'm more into the books than the movies although i i would say, i actually do say i'm a i'm a dual citizen of the books and the movies because i'm pretty fluent in both i've seen all of them multiple times but i have read the books more recently but i sure i did re-watch um twilight new moon and eclipse while i was sick 
So I have seen those pretty recently too. So then my question for you is being a dual citizen, so to speak, what do you think the books capture that the movies fail to capture and vice versa? What do you think the movies capture that the books maybe don't articulate as well or vice versa? You know, I think the books capture a lot more of the romance aspect of it because it is told from Bella's point of view. It's a lot more tender and romantic and you're a lot more like inside that relationship with Edward and Bella. But I think the movies really capture the the plot action of it very, very well. Sure. Especially I think New Moon and Eclipse do it really well. I won't touch on Breaking Dawn because we'll get to that later. But (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait. I think the movies themselves are really fun, especially from a nostalgic perspective. I when I'm sitting down to watch New Moon, I can almost hear the points where like all the girls in the audience would be screaming. Oh, my God. I can like still hear it. It's such a visceral memory. Did you ever go to a midnight premiere of any of them? Every single wow. time. Literally every time. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. So who who's showing up to these kinds of things? What kind of fandom type things are we seeing at these midnight premieres? It's like teenage girls um, and the parents they dragged with them. And yeah. that's about it. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Do we have anyone, like, are, are they, like, bringing the books to the theaters? Are they, like, you know, like, wearing, like, are they cosplaying, I guess, for lack of a better term? Like, set the scene for me. What's it like standing in line? Okay. Just about everyone is wearing either a Team Edward or Team Jacob t-shirt. Like, okay, nice. everyone. I did see a couple people cosplaying, but I don't think it was that big. It's just, and people would bring the books, definitely. It's just like a lot of rowdy teenage girls who are like ready to see Robert Pattinson on screen. Oh my God. Well, it's like my worst nightmare in a way, <laughs> to be honest with you, to be, to, to be quite, to be quite frank. Um, well, as I briefly mentioned, you know, me and my friend, you know, completely trying to trash these books uh, when they seem to be sprouting up out of the ground and in people's hands. Why do you think Twilight was so divisive among people when it was like fresh in the world? And why do you think it continues to be somewhat divisive? I guess I don't want to draw a line in the stand and say it's a gender thing. Cause I don't think it is. I think guys absolutely can enjoy Twilight and do enjoy Twilight, but why do you think it's so divisive? What do you think it is about this world that Stephanie Myers created that, sparks literally so much controversy especially back in like the early days of facebook i just remember facebook in the early days it was just just twilight memes after twilight memes still a better love story than twilight what's going on you know i do think it's because so many young girls kind of latched on to it i think it's a cultural thing to want to shit on whatever young girls really really like So I think that's definitely part of it, especially if you haven't, like, it's a different case if you've read the books, seen the movies, and still don't like it. I think a lot of that comes from, like, just genuinely wanting to be annoying and shit on young girls. 
<laughs> sure. You know, listen, I'm guilty. <laughs> I'm guilty of it. <laughs> you know, back in the day, uh, I'll, I'll be the first person to own up to that. But I also um, do think that it comes from people thought that the relationship between Edward and Bella was kind of abusive, which, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, you could say so. You could definitely sure. say that. Um, but I do like to not think so critically about it. You know, it's not real. It does kind of perpetuate <laughs> that, but it's also like it's it's fantasy. It's a book. <laughs> Well, I, w- I wasn't originally going to ask the question when I was doing a little bit of research about Stephanie Meyer because I sort of had the same thought. I'm like, this is vampire shit. You know, like <laughs> I wasn't going to ask it. But there have been – I was reading a little bit that there are people out there who feel very strongly that Twilight is an anti-feminist work. Like there are people out there who really truly believe that. And I'm not asking you to make, you know, the ultimate judgment call here about whether it is or isn't. I would never ask you to do that. But I'm curious, what is your stance on that? Do you have ideas about whether Twilight is feminist or anti-feminist? Or what's going on in your head when you see these arguments pop up? I see why people make those arguments. I can definitely see why, because the whole series is about how this young girl falls in love and like cannot function without this man in her life. That's like vampire. So I do see where that comes from. Um, But at the same time, I'm like, just have fun. Like, just relax. (laughs) Like, it doesn't, not everything has to be a feminist statement, you know? It just, sure. It's all that deep. (laughs) Listen, you know, I, I, you know, you're right. I think in a a lot of senses, you know, I've, I've read excerpts from, you know, the books before, and as seeing the first movie for this, I'm like, you know, Sometimes a girl just loves a vampire. Exactly. Sometimes. Exactly. I'm so glad you get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we actually dive into your definitive rankings uh, of Twilight, the books and the movies, I want to talk about Stephanie Meyer a little bit more specifically. Uh, her writing, who she is as a person, give a little bit of background on that. As someone who's actually... You know, I guess I've read, you know, little excerpts here and there. But as someone who is, you know, insanely well-versed in these books, how do you describe Stephanie Meyer's writing style to someone who's never read the books? And then, you know, additionally, what do you think is her secret sauce? How do you think she's able to just transport you into Forks, Washington and this world of vampires versus werewolves? You know, Stephanie Meyer's writing style has been described as um, simplistic which I would I would agree with that statement. It is pretty simple, but she is able to kind of create this fantasy that most people wouldn't really want to give into because it is kind of, it's written like a fan fiction, like something so purely just unachievable but you wish you could be there so i think she like is so good at taking these kind of ideas and desires that are just kind of like under the surface that most people wouldn't really think about giving into or writing at all and i think she just 
spins that yarn as well as she can, you know? She just is... <laughs> <laughs> and choosing Forks Washington was kind of a brilliant move on her part because I think Pacific Northwest kind of dreary, angsty vibes, for lack of a better word, fits the story perfectly. Well, I think we'll dig a little bit deeper, maybe potentially here uh, coming up, because I have some thoughts as someone as someone who's clearly not an expert on Twilight at all. I have some thoughts about maybe why that is, but um, I was I love to see the Pacific Northwest represented uh, on screen. You know, being a PNW native myself, and honestly, they kind of do it really good justice. You know, at least in the movies, like it looks great actually to be honest with you in that perfect moody you know dreary sense like you were talking about when you watch that shit are you like oh my god i gotta be in forks washington right now how do you how does the pacific northwest come to uh, across on screen to you you know i thought it was so beautiful so i looked up the different locations that they filmed and the first movie was filmed a lot of it in oregon um yep. But uh, most of the other movies and the scenery shots that you see are Canada. Right. Just like mostly all Canada. So that just kind of um, ruined that for me. But it's like the idea of the Pacific Northwest that I think they really exactly. captured the essence of. Exactly. I remember uh, one of my friends who I met in middle school, his dad is like the Oregon key grip. Like, the movie shoots in Oregon, and you're using local crew. You're probably going to be working with this guy. Shout out to Bruce Lawson. Uh, Bruce Lawson is, like, the Oregon key grip guy. And he worked on Twilight. You're kidding. And I am not kidding you. Oh, my God. You you now have one degree of separation from you and the first movie of Twilight. Can I have his autograph? That's so cool. (laughs) I'll I'll get right on that for you. Um, And so if you go to the Oregon Film Museum, which is in Astoria, Oregon, which is on the Oregon coast where they shot the Goonies, there is a part of an exhibit where you can press a button and you can hear Bruce Lawson's voice talking to his crew while they're working on Twilight, which is crazy. Oh, my God. I know. I know. That is so I, cool. Listen, <laughs> listen, I know. Listen, I know that's, a, you know, I just threw a huge fastball at you. So take all the time you need to, you know, process that. But it's sinking uh, in. It, OK, good, good. I'm glad <laughs> when things are shot up here, man, it's crazy. It's not, you know, it's not like. Hollywood, it's not like LA, it's not, you know, not, not everything is shot down there. So when you see it represented on screen, I'm just saying for myself, it's really special actually to see, you know, oh shit, that is looks exactly like where I live. But are you like, that's uh, me? I am from there. Yes, exactly. In a way, again, <laughs> I remember in there's that restaurant that Bella and her dad eat at. The, the exterior of that, I don't know if the interiors were shot there, but I've been to that restaurant where they are eating. It's like 30, 40 minutes away from where I grew up. It's nice and it's cute and it's small and not a lot of people live there. And they're, you know, they just say all the time, oh, did you know Twilight was filmed here? So, you know, if you ever come up, I'll give you the Twilight tour, you know? Oh, my God, I'm coming. Don't worry. 
<laughs> yeah, let's yeah, let, that'll be the next that'll be the, next, the when when the Patreon goes live, that's what we're working toward on the Patreon. Get Leah up to Oregon so we can do the uh Oregon Twilight tour. I would die. Uh do you have any experience with non-Twilight work from Stephanie Meyer? Have you read The Host or The Chemist? Or do you have any experience outside of the Twilight world with her? You know, my best friend, Mandy Jacobs, always tells me that I should read The Host. Um, she says it's amazing. She says it's like Twilight, but with um, aliens. Sure. And you know what? I've never read it. I Damn. have no experience with her other works. And to be honest, I don't know if I ever will read them. I don't want to ruin the pureness of Twilight for myself. That's fair. You might not have experience with her outside works from Twilight, but do you have any experience with what I'm going, I'm going to dub it right now, the TEU, the Twilight Extended Universe. Do you know what I mean when I say the Twilight Extended Universe? No. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know if you're aware of these. You probably are, but... There are graphic novels for Twilight and Eclipse. There is a story. I don't know if it's a short story or a full-blown novel, but it's called The The Short Second Life of Brie Tanner, uh, which is another Twilight-associated work. And then there's Twilight Reimagined, which is, uh, I believe it's gender-swapped, right? Where it's Beaufort, (laughs) Swan, and Edith uh, Cullen. Do you have any experience with that? Okay, Mandy actually just told me about the gender-swapped version, which blew my mind. I had no (laughs) clue that that existed. I have, however, heard of um, the one about Brie Tanner because I remember when they were filming Eclipse, literally all my friends had this, like, dream that they were going to get cast as Brie Tanner in the movies. For sure. Which... Like, I don't I don't know where that came from, but we did all read that short little book. I don't remember anything from it, though. It's it, listen, it's crazy that there's a little extended universe of Twilight. You know, it's <laughs> you, know, you got the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You've got, you know, the DC Cinematic Universe. Let's get that Twilight Cinematic Universe going. Let's extend the world. Uh, we should. Yeah, that's real. Listen, we'll get right. Listen, you need to. You are the one who needs to start it. You, you've got the power. You, I'm it's on all it. on your. Thank you very much. Um, I think that what's part of that secret sauce that you were talking about earlier with Stephanie Meyer's simplicity in her writing. I'm gonna. This is a little bit of speculation here, a little bit of conjecture. Uh, please don't cancel me for this. You specifically, and please don't cancel me. The world. I have to believe the fact that she's Mormon has something to do with her writing style. And I don't mean that in a derogatory sense at all. I just truly believe that because of the tenets and principles of Mormonism, at least that I'm familiar with, like the fact that, what do we see here? The fact that she abstains from alcohol, coffee, smoking, or even watching rated R movies has something to do with, with her perspective on that. Do you want to talk about maybe potentially her Mormonism and her writing style? Do you have any thoughts on that? I, this is another thing that I just found out from Mandy. I did not know that Stephanie Meyer was Mormon, but now that I know that the books make so much more sense because no one drinks, no one curses. 
there's they don't have sex until after they're married it's like that kind of principle throughout the books but i also think that that is what makes it so like tender almost it's kind of like um how victorian novels are very tender it's the it's the yearning that that kind of environment creates that is really what young teenage girls me especially fed off (laughs) sure absolutely there's this like distilled teenagerism that's going on in this writing like it literally feels you know and watching it on screen it feels like wow this is coming from a very pure place like this is coming from a place where it's like you know I don't know any different, like literally, like I don't know any different as the author and I am just trying to communicate what I feel on the inside, which I think is really sweet actually, to be honest with you. Like I think it's of actually, it's, it can be easy to shit on. Like you said earlier, it is very simplistic, but there's something sweet about it. I don't know. I completely agree with you. A hundred percent. Thank you. I love when the guest is like, yes, yes, thank you. I love when the guest agrees. Um, You mentioned at the very beginning that Midnight Sun just came out. Can you talk about what that is for people who might not know what that is if they're listening to this relatively blind, so to speak? Yes, I can. Okay, so Midnight Sun is basically the retelling of the first book because the first book Twilight is from Bella's point of view, but Midnight Sun is from Edward's point of view, which the first 100 pages or so of Midnight Sun originally leaked in like 2012. Yeah. So I read those when they leaked. Um, but now that it's oh, you did. fully, be- yeah, <laughs> 100%. I found it <laughs> what like was that? that. <laughs> Yeah, what was that like reading it when it leaked? Because I think it leaked, I don't know if I, my date is correct here, um, but I think it leaked actually in 2008 when Twilight was like really taking off. So we would still have been in middle school at the time. Does that resonate? Yes, I I think you might be right. It honestly was like pure ecstasy. It was amazing. Yes. I was like, it kept me alive. Something about the Twilight books was so just enjoyable and whenever a new one came out it was like I would not sleep I would not eat I would just read so having Midnight Sun be leaked and not even know that it was coming out thinking that all the books were finished it blew my mind (laughs) it literally blew my mind yeah I can I can imagine it's kind of like finding out it's the equivalent of finding out that like there's another star Wars that they've just been hiding, you know? And they're like, they're not going to show you. It's like, we have it. It's done, but we're not going to give it to you. It's like, Holy crap. What's your problem? Give us the other star Wars. Give us midnight sun. What's your problem? She really held on to that too. I can't believe she didn't release it until this year. She just didn't want us to have it. She, I have a quote from her. Uh, right here, it says on August 28th, 2008, Meyer halted the writing of Midnight Sun in response to the leak of 12 chapters of the unfinished manuscript on the internet. And she states, 
If I tried to write Midnight Sun now, in my current frame of mind, this is then, this is in 2008. If I tried to write Midnight Sun now, in my current frame of mind, James would probably win and all the colons would die, which wouldn't dovetail too well into the original story. In any case, I feel too sad about what has happened to continue working on Midnight Sun, and so it is on hold indefinitely. And there's something so pure about that, honestly, that she would be so sad that her book leaked, that she would have to hold on to it literally for a decade almost, or more than a decade. Honestly, yeah, I get it. If that had happened to me, if I had achieved worldwide success with a book and then having some of my new book leaked, that would be devastating. Absolutely devastating. Especially knowing that all your, like your entire fan base is reading it online. Yes. It's like, why would you want to release it knowing that people have already read part of it? So I think she was just waiting for people to forget. Well, I don't think a lot of people forgot because (laughs) it sounds like you are gobbling this book up. Are you done with it? Where are you at with Midnight Sun right now? I am close to the end. I don't know how many pages I have left, but I am very close to the end just based on the part that I'm at. Um, It's dare I say, really good. Whoa. I mean, it is from (laughs) Edward's perspective. So most of it is like this internal monologue of being like, I'm a monster. I'm a monster. I hate myself. I hate myself. I should just leave. Um, But it's beautiful because he can't stay away from her. He just loves her so damn much. Wow. Listen, (laughs) the guys out there, the fellas are finally getting the Twilight (laughs) book that they deserve. This one's for the boys. Thanks, Stephanie. Um, I don't, this is, I'm going to be honest with you. This next thing, this is probably the thing I'm most, I personally am most excited to talk about during this entire podcast that we're doing. Okay. Have you ever been to stephaniemeyer.com to her official website? I'm sure I have, but I have no recollection of it. Okay. I'm about to take you to stephaniemeyer.com academy, Leah. Oh my God. (laughs) We are going to take a little side journey. We're, you know, we're on the road. We're going to get to your definitive twilight rankings. That's our main destination. You know, that's our Wally world, but we need (laughs) to pull off and take some photos of stephaniemeyer.com. Will you accompany me on this side quest? Of course. Thank you so much. Easily the nicest guest I've had on this podcast <laughs> for saying that. So you go to stephaniemeyer.com and the front page is this Medusa, like o- not oil painting, but like watercolor and the Medusa's hair, which is octopi uh, arms in this uh, case, not snakes, is holding, they're holding a guitar and a mermaid is sitting there and some tea and a teacup and there's a sports car and a syringe and it's just so bizarre and so weird you're like okay what is this all about you can go on this website and you can look at literally so much information about not just the books but the movies and her other projects as well. So I want to go slowly bit by bit here and look at this website because it is just crazy. Are you looking at it right now? Did you pull this bad boy up? Let me grab it. Okay. So the first thing I want to look at real quick that's not related to Twilight is she has a production company called Fickle Fish Films, which I believe were involved in some of the later Twilight movies. But something that you might not know is that she also produced – 
Austin Land, starring Carrie Russell in 2013. She Are you an Austin not. Land fan? I love that movie. I love that movie so <laughs> much. And I love that book so much. It's, it's so good. I'm definitely an Austin <laughs> fan, yeah. What's the conceit of Austin Land? I actually don't know. Can you explain to the listeners and myself what Austin Land is all about? Okay, yes. It's about this like 30-something-year-old woman who is so obsessed with Pride and Prejudice and is so obsessed with um, Mr. Darcy as like a fictional character, specifically Colin Firth as Mr. Darcy in the BBC miniseries, um, that she is like unable to form any kind of real romantic attachment. So I don't remember how, but she gets this gift to go to this kind of, I don't want to say like cosplay, but basically this Pride and Prejudice era resort where they basically pretend to be characters from Austin and they all like fall in love with one of the characters, not really fall in love. They're all scripted, but there's like actors that work there and she falls in love with a gardener. And then it turns out it's, I won't spoil it, but there's so many little (laughs) twists and turns and it's just, it basically is like a retelling of Pride and Prejudice, um, sure. but modern day. It's interesting, not only that they decided to produce the film version of this, I unfortunately don't have it in front of me. Did Stephanie Ryer write Austin Land? Did Stephanie Meyer write Austin Land, or did somebody else write Austin No, Land? she didn't. Who wrote it? That's okay. Um, the only reason it's crazy is because she's also gone on record as saying that like she's a big fan of Jane Austen as well. And that I guess like the twilight books have like a lot of allusions to Jane Austen, uh, specifically Jane Eyre. What's going on there? Do you, are you familiar enough with Jane Eyre to comment on the, uh, parallels between the two? Honestly, not really, but Austen okay. is kind of thrown throughout twilight because Bella is always reading the one okay. that she brings up the most in the first book, she brings up, it's not Austin, it's Wuthering Heights that she talks okay. about the most. And then in New Moon, she talks a lot about Romeo and Juliet. But that's the most that I remember. Just like those classics. Okay. She brings in a lot of those classics. Well, we love Stephanie for that. You know, you can't, you can't be mad at Stephanie <laughs> for trying to throw in the classics. And in her classic, uh, Twilight, the Twilight series, There's also a segment on this website, and it's in the update section. There are two little tabs. You can go to blog posts, and you can go to obsessions. It is literally called obsessions. If you're following along with me at home, listeners, on uh, stephaniemeyer.com, I want to say there's four obsessions, and the, the obsessions tab hasn't been updated since August of 2019, so going on a year at this point. Uh, will you join me, Leah, right now in looking at the five reasons we're obsessed with the Umbrella Academy article? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Perfect. This is so, insane. <laughs> this this is insane. Leah, what is this is a list first and foremost for those of you who aren't fortunate enough to be looking at stephaniemeyer.com with us right now. Can you read Leah for me what number 1 says on the list of five reasons why we're obsessed with Umbrella Academy? Number 1, Klaus Hargreaves. Is that how you say his name? 
I be- I be- I- we're going to go with it. I'm not sure. <laughs> if you didn't fall in love with Robert Sheehan and Misfits, here's your chance. You listen, <laughs> this is just a personal Tumblr at this point. Is what literally, is, this is a BuzzFeed list. <laughs> it literally with gifts is. and everything. Does yours on your end, does it say, oops, this gift no longer exists? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's really fucking good. Uh, can you go ahead and read number two for us as well? <laughs> number two, Klaus Hargreaves, one more for good measure. And oh, then yeah. the gift says, there's no need to get your little panties in a bunch. It's just, you can't make this stuff. I wish I could have been like, presented this to you and been like, look what I did. But it is, you can't make this shit up, Leah. If you sent this to me, like, out of context, I literally would not believe that Stephanie Meyer did this. This version <laughs> I'm like, kind of embarrassing. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with yes, embarrassing. I'm gonna just say full tilt, embarrassing on that. What is uh? Can you nice? Yeah, yeah. You were being you're being way too nice to Miss Meyer right now. Can you go ahead and read number three for us as well? Third reason why we're obsessed with Umbrella Academy. Yes, I can. Sorry, my page reloaded. Number you're three, good. Hazel and Cha Cha. You literally can't go wrong with a pair like Mary J. Blige and serial killer Edmund 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 Kemper. Sorry, you I literally can't, read. can't go wrong. I <laughs> know it's all good. You, you crushed it. You literally can't go wrong. And honestly, I don't. Do you know anything about Umbrella Academy? Does any of this mean anything to you? No, it means absolutely nothing to me. <laughs> Isn't this the, the show with the monkey? And um, I don't know. And uh, what's his huh. name? I literally don't know anything. About I don't either, but apparently these are all the reasons we're obsessed. Let's go ahead and go on to, oh, wait, what the gift says, uh, Italian food. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? And then Italian food for dinner. That's, listen, that's just classic. That's funny. That's, everyone loves that. Yes. Yeah. Can you go ahead and read for us number four, the fourth (laughs) reason why we're obsessed with Umbrella Academy? Yes, I can. Number four is the music. (laughs) We've had the soundtrack on loop. Wow. It's just... It's awesome. It it is just awesome to be totally honest with you. Like what we're looking at right now, uh, some of the music they have the seasons <laughs> one and two Spotify playlist embedded into the website. Some classics: "Beyond the Sea" by Bobby Darin, "My Way" by Frank Sinatra, uh, uh, "I'm a Man" by the Spencer Davis Group. I have never seen a single episode <laughs> of Umbrella Academy, and I don't know what the show's about at all by this music. What do you th- just based on this music? What do you think the show is about? Just give me your your blind pitch for Umbrella Academy, Leah. Okay, based on the music, it is based. The show is, I want to say, like about an academy. Um, okay. With uh, some kind of magic umbrellas. That's my best guess. Okay, Listeners, uh, if Leah got it right, uh, you all need to Venmo her $5 right now. Uh, so we're going to go <laughs> ahead and put her Venmo in the description. So, yeah, that's what they listen. Again, we've never seen the show. Uh, Leah can take the $5 uh, from that. So thank you very much. Thank Number you. five, Leah. Uh, I don't know what this means, to be totally honest with you. But can you go ahead and read it anyway? I literally have no idea what this means. Number five is... Number five, appropriately placed on the list. Oh, maybe it's a person named number five. Oh, okay. Yeah. That... Like the character name? 
Can someone please yeah, confirm like, this? I'm not going to look it up. <laughs> yeah, I don't give a flying you-know-what enough to look about if it's number five. But it would be cool, I guess, you know, they saw Stranger Things, Eleven. Got to have someone named number five, you know. Maybe there's a little bit of, you know, cross-pollination going on there. That's what I was thinking. Um, Good. I'm glad we're on the same page on that. The honorable mention is Ben Hargreaves, who I have to believe is related to Klaus Hargreaves in some way. Do you think I'm fair in assuming that? I would say yes. I would say yeah, definitely. Thank you. Again, just the nicest guest I've had so far. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you're welcome. Um, We also have blog posts under the same update tab as well and i didn't scroll through all of these apparently there's a lot of older posts i don't know how far back these go but the most recent blog post was updated on september 1st 2020 so she is regularly updating this website twilight is far in the past at this point and i want to draw attention leah to the blog post from august 7th that says some unfortunate news can you click on that with me and follow me there oh my god yes Oh, Stephanie. (laughs) So just I'm going to give you guys the abbreviated version of this. Uh, It says, I just found out that I was exposed eight days ago to COVID-19. I'm feeling fine, but obviously I'm not leaving my house until I'm sure I'm not contagious. So that means, after all, the live event in Shelton will now be virtual. I'm so sorry. It's a huge bummer, but the important thing is that everybody stays safe. And then she goes on to say, I'm super anxious to hear (laughs) your post-Midnight Sun read questions. I can't wait to find out which part of Midnight Sun were obvious and which were a surprise to you. And then she goes on to say, I'm also including here in this hyperlink on my blog post on my site. Fun games to play in the car while you're waiting for the event to start tonight. Can you go ahead, Leah, and click on that hyperlink with me so that we can tell the folks at home what is going on here? Oh, my God. Yeah, so what what are we looking at here? We are looking at – it looks like she made this herself or maybe, like, her assistant made it. Um, We're looking at Midnight Sun-themed bingo cards. That's right. And I think, yep, you can click on, yep, the Midnight Sun bingo card. I'm looking at, uh, I think, do all three of them come with? No, I just clicked on the second one. So I don't know if the individual bingo cards look different. But here's some things that you can, this is how you would get a bingle, a bingle. This is how you would get (laughs) a bingo (laughs) going across the top. Rosalie glares at someone. Vitamin R sighting. Team Jacob shirt. Stephanie says, Midnight Sun, (laughs) and someone lets out a fangirl scream. That's how you get a bingo, Leah. I mean, what are you you thinking right now? Because I'm losing my goddamn mind looking at this. Yeah, this is um, is something else. This is really (laughs) something beautiful that she put together here. (laughs) I don't know what vitamin R sighting means. I have no clue. I can't even begin to guess what that means. But everything else seems a, pretty fitting. <laughs> is it a band? I don't know. Because did they talk about a band at all? Because I remember there was a band like in the early 2000s that was vitamin something. I don't remember if it was vitamin R. But, you know, so you just have no idea what vitamin R could mean? Literally no clue. I might be dumb. I might just like be totally missing something. But I I don't even have a guess. I don't know okay. what that means. 
Well, if anyone listening to this has any idea what that could mean, please let us know because I'm dying to know. And Leah's reading <laughs> Midnight Sun right now. So I have a feeling she's even more dying to know than I am. Last thing that I want to look at on this website. I think this is the last thing. No, there's two more things. This is the second to last <laughs> thing that I want to look at on this website. If you join me on the books, there's a, there's like five tabs at the top. There's updates, the movies, other projects, bio, and the books. If you go to the books and you click on that, it shows you all the different books that she's written. And you can go in. Let's just click on the first Twilight together, and we'll go to there. It tells you this is the Twilight series, book one. It gives you the release date. It gives you hyperlinks to buy the book, to buy the movie. It gives you a short little excerpt about you know a summary of what the book you uh what the book is about and what you have to look forward to but the thing i really want to highlight here leah is that stephanie meyer herself designs playlists for all of the books because she writes to music can you and i both click on the playlist blurb here so that we can look at what the twilight official stephanie meyer playlist is for the first book (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so we have you actually you know what leah would you just go ahead and read <laughs> we go ahead and read for everybody what some of what, what your what really tracks stand out to you on this twilight soundtrack right now yes well number one why does it always rain on me that is just washington in a song <laughs> i'm guessing yeah. i've literally only ever been to seattle for a weekend um number two however this one makes the most sense it's creep by radiohead uh the radio edit it's very important we say the radio (laughs) edit because they're swearing in the original creep song in the album cut you know that is so funny (laughs) (laughs) what else do we got on this playlist we've got in my place by coldplay um by myself by lincoln park and time is running out by muse wow i know dreams by the cranberries oh wow listen listen stephanie if you're you somehow listen to this please let me make you a different playlist (laughs) please let don't even i won't you know what i'm not even gonna do it please let leah make you a different playlist would you hook up stephanie with a different playlist yes i'm gonna tweet at her every day until she lets me because this needs to be redone immediately what what are you throwing on the official twilight music playlist for the first book what would you put up there if you had the choice tracks one through 13 would all be bella's lullaby from the score okay. perfect perfect okay <laughs> that's, it. that's all it needs although i would probably keep creep the radio edit on there <laughs> <laughs> i'm really glad i'm with you on that i'm really glad you said that that's perfect. Um, the only other thing that i want to draw attention to real quick is if we go to i believe it's in yes go to other projects the other projects tab with me one more time stephanie directed i believe at least at minimum produced but i think directed the jack jack's mannequin music video for the resolution which is a song off their 12,000 something album uh oh 2008 album the glass passenger i have it written down are you familiar with jack's mannequin at all does that band mean anything to you no not familiar does it mean something to you (laughs) 
Um, a little bit. They're, they're fronted by Andrew McMah- McMahon, I believe is how you say his name. McMahon. Probably, that's probably McMahon, <laughs> just spelled weird. Um, he was, he also has the projects Something Corporate and Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness. Do you remember the song Cecilia and the Satellite? Does that mean anything to you? It rings a bell. It, I'll play it for you when we're done. But I remember that, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> I remember that song very well from high school. I think that was like a sophomore year cut for me being like, <laughs> Oh yes, absolutely. Um, and I watched the music video. It's fine. You know, it's not crazy. It's not like amazing or anything, but it's like just, it's the whole idea. The whole conceit of this website is that she is displaying personally her projects and she is like one of the best selling authors of all time. And it just, to me, this is the twilight vibe. You know what I mean? Yes. This, the the vibe of this website is exactly like someone who has like a lot of different Pinterest boards and just like watches daytime talk shows. That's yeah, what I'm getting 100%. from this. But also, why yeah. would they hire a writer to direct their music video? I don't know. She's involved. It says, it says on the website, in 2008, Stephanie worked with the band Jack's Mannequin on their video for the single, The Resolution. It was unclear whether she directed the music video or not. I have a feeling that she was involved in some capacity, but it's just so silly. You know, she's this probably multi-millionaire, at least maybe billionaire, (laughs) who knows, you know, and she's regularly updating her website for the fans. But like we were saying, that's kind of the vibe I'm getting from these books is that they are pure to the bone. Oh my god, her net worth is $125 million. Oh my god. From Twilight. That's crazy. As of 2020, that's crazy. Damn. <laughs> Damn. Well, we have no choice but to stand, to be totally honest with you. <laughs> You're absolutely right. <laughs> and speaking of standing, uh, this is the we're about to move into the big segment, the reason why you're listening to this pod, the reason why I had Twilight expert Leah Roach come on. She's given me the little, I don't know what that, the hidden, is it the Nene? It's the, the windshield wiper. Okay. You know, you're washing wiper. the car. Okay. The car washer. <laughs> yeah. <Yes>. Love it. <laughs> She's giving me the car washer. So that means it's time to move on to this segment. Uh, you're going to get the definitive ranking of the books first and foremost, and then we'll talk about the movies a little bit here. But Leah, I want to rank these. Can we rank them? I guess what it would be in is descending order when you go from the biggest number to the like number one. Would that be descending order? Am I right on that? The worst to best. Yes. Can we go worst to best on the books? Yes, of course we can. Okay. I have to give a little disclaimer and say some of this might be controversial. My opinions. Okay might be um out of the norm for a twilight fan but i have my reasoning and i stick to it well listen this is the chance where you get to explain why your ranking is the definitive one and as far as this podcast is concerned this is the definitive ranking at least this podcast will echo your sentiment as well so you have (laughs) the entire (laughs) army of my favorite podcast behind (laughs) you as well on this so there are four books, am I correct? In saying, or five, I guess, technically, with Midnight. Is Midnight Sun considered part of the series, or are we just looking at the original four? I'm looking at the OG four, because Midnight Sun, okay. I consider, like, a retelling of the first one. 
Plus, it's okay. a little too new for me to really um, kind of settle in on it and make make a placement for it. Okay, so we'll be looking at the original, the OG four. I do think uh, before we before we get into that list, I do want to say from the year two thousand five to the year twenty twelve, we did not go a year without Twilight. We had eight straight years of Twilight material with books and movies all told. Just think about that. That's eight years of our lives where we just got to be involved with Twilight. So. Big bless up to Steph, the chef, Stephanie Meyer, on that one. Thank you, chef. The good old days. I miss that. Huh. I miss well, it so much. Take me back. <laughs> Take me back. Um, give us the give us that number four then. What's what's bottom what's bottom of the list? Okay, bottom of the list. I have to say it. It is installation number four in the Twilight series, Breaking Dawn. Wow. To me, okay. Yeah. To me, Breaking Dawn Why? is absolute blasphemy. It is Whoa. so bad. It is just so, like, ungrounded. It really takes, like, a left turn. I don't, especially because in the first three books, just based on the story of Breaking Dawn, in the first three books, Stephanie Meyer has her story a little more grounded in the difference between the real world and the vampire world, like the fantasy and the the world that Bella's family lives in and everyone she knows. So in Breaking Dawn, it's literally all of the vampire world. It is, it's okay. completely lost from the real world. It feels like there's no rules. There's like the vampire rules, but it's kind of hard to take them seriously. And it just, there's so many plot points. Do you mind if I spoil it for you? Listen, uh, I don't personally mind. I'm going to give just a big old spoiler alert right now for anyone who might be listening to this. If you're in the middle of the Twilight series, there will be spoilers. If you're planning on reading Twilight at some point, Spoilers from this point forward. You've been warned. Exit out of the podcast. Spoil away, Leah. Amazing. Okay. So, starts off with Bella and Edward get married, which is beautiful. They go off on their honeymoon. They have sex for the first time. And then Bella starts, like, acting weird. And the the staff of, like, the house that they're staying at are really freaked out by her because they think that she's, like, a demon or something and that Edward's a demon. Come to find out, Bella's pregnant with his vampire baby. Whoa. Yeah. And the vampire baby is sucking the life force out of her. And she has to start drinking, like, human blood to feed the baby because she can't keep down real food but the story itself shifts back and forth between bella and jacob's point of view and how these okay the vampires and the werewolves have to come together to fight against this it's like the they're like law system it's called the volturi they are they live in italy they're like the reigning vampires that kind of enforce all the rules And they want to come kill their child because they think it's like they're there was like a myth about these vampire children that couldn't be controlled like hundreds of years before. So they had to kill all the vampire children. And so they 
think that Bella and Edward's baby is one of those vampire babies, but it's not true because Whoa. get this, they named the child Renesme. Okay. Yeah. It's a mixture of <laughs> Renee, Bella's mother, and Esme, Edward's mother. So... <laughs> Whoa. Oh my God. I literally I was thinking to myself, Renesme, what what the fuck is that? And yep, it, it literally is Renee and Esme yeah. thrown together. Renesme, great one, great one, Stephanie. <laughs> but <laughs> She is half human, half vampire, and that they want to, it's just, I can't even get words out because this book makes me so mad thinking about all the dumb little things that happen in it (laughs) because they are coming to kill the child and they know it's going to be a war. But another plot point is that Jacob, who is a werewolf and in werewolf world, you can imprint which is like basically love at first sight, but it's it's not supposed to be weird like that, according to Stephanie Meyer. But okay. Jacob imprints on Bella's daughter, who's a baby. Yeah. Meaning they're meant to like spend the rest of their lives together. What? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Whoa, what the fuck? Is that real? Yes, <laughs> That's I, crazy. I not, I'm not kidding. Oh my god, I gotta read this book. That's crazy. Yeah, it literally goes completely off the rails. Like I I I was with Stephanie up until this book when she just like created this whole new universe, changed all the rules, made all these just stupid things happen. And then everything ends like happily ever after and Bella's a vampire <laughs> and everyone's safe and nobody really died wow so how old are you when you're reading this book because this book comes out in what do i have here this book comes out in 2008 which is the same year that the actual first twilight movie comes out so we're what 12 13 11 12 13 whatever yeah um where what's going on in your head when you're reading this for the first time are you disappointed what's what are you thinking no I was not disappointed at all I was like there I really fully believed it I did not question it at all I was like okay this is the story I like even younger me definitely defended the whole weird imprinting thing being like no it doesn't mean that it's like meant to be like he cares for her and then when she grows up they'll fall in love that's how it's supposed to work um but I totally I totally bought into it I did not question it even a little bit and being younger I was like oh my god they're finally married and they have a baby and she's a vampire and they can finally live happily ever after the end so I I bought into it 100% and then did you you listen to Breaking Dawn when you had the flu, was this one of the ones that you re-listened to on audiobook? Yes. All of yes. them back to back to back. So I <laughs> compared them side by side. So Nat, then at, you know, the ripe old age of 22, 23, whatever it was, what's the difference in your mind? What did you do a full 180? What were you thinking now? Did you reflect at all on how you reacted then? Give a, give me the lowdown. <laughs> I honestly did a full 180, like about maybe, 10 chapters in I was with it actually I was with it up until the point where um like the end of Bella's honeymoon and then they come back it switches to Jacob's 
point of view when they find out that Bella's pregnant and all the werewolves want to kill the baby. Um, I was with it up until that point. And then I was like, wait, what? (laughs) This is so weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it really sounds fucked up, to be totally honest with you. It was totally untethered. That was like... That's the perfect word to describe it for me is it's totally untethered, just not in this reality. Yeah, it sounds like it. So of the books, Breaking Dawn, number four uh, on your list as far as uh, the novels are concerned. I'm going to go through these quickly because we got a lot of other stuff to cover, but I do have some fast facts for you about each of the books and the movies. Are you ready for this? Yes. Okay, so Meyer finished an outline of the book Breaking Dawn in 2003, but developed and changed it as she wrote New Moon and Eclipse, though the main and most significant storylines remained unchanged. So she was, like, way ahead of the cycle of these books coming out, which is crazy that she, like, had this all planned out, you know, five years, so to speak, before it even hit the shelves. That's crazy that she, A, did that, and B, that she was willing to sort of reverse engineer the books as she wrote the other ones it's weird i don't know why she did that but there we here we are yeah i don't get that i don't get that at all doesn't make any sense um (laughs) just like it sounds like the book so there we go (laughs) potato potato uh unlike the series previous three entries breaking dawn received unlike the series previous three entries breaking dawn received mixed reviews from the critics uh it is also the most controversial book of the series as adult themes and concepts are explored more directly than its predecessors however the novel was awarded the british book award for children's book of the year Okay, that's messed up. <laughs> that's not right. <laughs> those, those British kids love an, an, an oh, How old is Jacob when he imprints the daughter? Is he what, like 20 or whatever? Or oh, how no. old is he? He's got to be like 17, 17, 18. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah, he the Brits love eighteen year old Jacob imprinting a newborn. So, you so know, weird. Give, them, give them what they give the people what they want. You know. Uh, the plays Merchant of Venice and Midsummer Night's Dream by Shakespeare both influenced Breaking Dawn. Meyer decided that Alice would write her instruction to Bella on a page from The Merchant of Venice to give a clue. The final confrontation at the end of the book would be a mental one, not a physical battle like at the end of the play. It also hints that the novel would have a happy ending for the couple's as in The Merchant of Venice. So once again, Stephanie taking the dead white guy off the shelf, dusting it (laughs) off and saying, yes, be my muse, Willie. Come on, baby. Help me write this book. Uh, Any thoughts on on that? Um, You know, that is like the basest way that you could use Shakespeare (laughs) as an influence. So yeah, but like not really. Yeah, exactly. It's very, very baseline, very surface level. But, you know, sounds like it fits the bill for uh, these novels. And the last fast fact I have that I found interesting was Meyer described. Oh, I have a, I have facts for each of the covers of the book because all the book covers are very striking. And so there were little facts on each. Meyer described the cover as, quote, extremely meaningful and said that she was, quote, really happy with how it turned out. Uh, The cover is a metaphor for Bella's progression throughout the entire series. She began as the physically weakest player on the board, the pawn, but at the end, she becomes the strongest, the queen. So you have the chess metaphor. Yes. I never understood that, actually. So thank you. 
Yeah, you're welcome. She's playing 4D chess with your mind on that one, and, I, <laughs> and I'm glad I could break it down for you. But that's what I have on the Breaking Dawn novel. That is number four on the Leah Roach Definitive Twilight book rankings. What is number three? Number three is the OG Twilight, an oldie but a okay. goodie. Um, yeah. The beginning of it all, the beginning of the love story. It It is just kind of based on like the mystery aspect of it and like discovering that he's a vampire and the will they, won't they kind of question of it all. Um, but I still do think that it is fantastic. The first one is so, so good because it's just this normal girl kind of getting thrown into a vampire universe and falling in love and just like the pure fantasy of it. Sure. Absolutely. I have not read the actual first book, but like I said, I did watch the movie for this and I know we're not talking about the movie, but one thing that I thought was kind of, interesting and i don't know if it's the same in the book one thing that i thought was kind of interesting in the movie is that she bella goes to this new school and she's not immediately the weirdo like she has (laughs) friends which i feel like is like the trope it's like oh this girl from out of town shows up at this school and she's mysterious and no one wants to like pay attention to her except for the other weird boy and it's like this freak quote-unquote love story but at least in the movie Anna Kendrick is friends with her, like, right off the bat. She's like, come on, girl. Like, I'll tell you all the deets about this school. Is it the same way in the book? Like, how does that dealt with? Because that's kind of cool, actually, I feel like. Yeah, it's supposed to be... In the book, it's even more pronounced because it's a really small town. So when she moves in and her dad is the chief of police in that small town, everyone already knows who she is. Right. Um, and basically, like, everyone's in love with her the minute that she shows up. Like, everyone either wants to date her or be her best friend. So it's, like, people basically fighting over her. Sure. Um, I feel like they captured it a little bit in the in the movie, but I feel like it's a lot more pronounced in the book. Wow. So it's even crazier in the book. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Because I was like, damn, this is, like, she's crushing it. You know, new student at this small town school. That's got to be tough, especially coming from Arizona. And I'm in the apparently in the book, you know, you heard it from right from the horse's mouth uh, herself. It's even crazier. So Yeah, it uh, is. And there's no explanation we- as to why people are so into her. It's just, like, she shows up <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, my God, who is that? And I think that might be, like you said very at the very beginning of the show, that might be part of like the fanfic element of it where it's very wish fulfillment e. Maybe yeah. Stephanie Meyer doing some wishful thinking there about maybe what her high school days, middle school days would have been like. But at the same time, it's very real. Of course, who wouldn't want to be moved to this new school and immediately be best friends with everybody, you know? Yeah, of course. Totally. Thank you. Thank you. Good job. Of course. <laughs> Anything else to say about the uh, original Twilight before I hit you with some fast facts? Yeah, I just want to say that the hottest part of this book is... (laughs) Thank you, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, thank you. I'm really glad that you said it and not me, but yeah, keep going. You're welcome, you're welcome. (laughs) Is the fact that they have, like, they obviously want to fuck, but he wants to kill her. He is, like, so drawn (laughs) to her and so attracted to her. Um, but he also wants to kill her. Like his instincts say kill, <laughs> but his heart says fuck. Wow. 
That really that's gonna stay with me for the rest of the, rest of the episode, big time. That's so awesome. Love that. <sighs> okay, <laughs> I gotta get through these fast facts while I'm thinking about that. Okay, boy, here we go. Meyer continued writing. Meyer continued writing to the end chronologically, not worrying about the backstory. She lettered the chapters instead of numbering them. Chapter thirteen being E. The last chapter of the first draft kept getting longer and longer. So she wrote epilogue after epilogue. However, she realized she wanted to explore many of the events in the backstory and the reasons behind the events in those chapters. So she planned to write five to six chapter backstories. Instead, these turned into 12 chapters by the time that she was finished. In a matter of three months, she completed the whole novel. Again, that's such an insane way of writing a book. How does that even happen? Wouldn't you just think of those as chapters to begin with? Or she just, like, kept spouting ideas. Yeah. I mean, it's weird because it's like, do you write three chapters and go, I finished the book? And then you're like, (laughs) oh, fuck, but I got to write this other part. Like, did she just forget? I don't know. That's crazy. Like, how does the – how do ideas come to her? I would be fascinated (laughs) to be inside her brain to know how that happens. I'll, I'll, we'll send you in. You'll be, you know, the designated person to do that. <laughs> you come out and you tell everybody else back in town. So this is what it's going on in her brain. I, we, we, everyone appreciates that. Thank you very much. I'll do it. Uh, I'll do it. Yeah. Thank you. Myers inquiry letter, inquiry letter was initially rejected by 14 agents. Uh, eight publishers competed for the rights to publish Twilight in a 2003 auction. Little Brown and Company originally bid $300,000, but Myers' agent asked for $1 million. The publishers finally settled on 750000 for three books. So I guess that she, like, wrote more than one at the same time. Like, she was writing New Moon and maybe Eclipse at the same time that she was writing uh, Twilight. I'm not really 100% sure how that worked. Maybe we'll find more about that later. But $1 million for three books. Doesn't even really seem like a lot, but maybe in 2003, that was crazy. Yeah. I mean, she has made so much more. I wonder if she knew how far this was going to go. I mean, to her at that point in time, she probably thought that was so much money. Sure. And who knows? Maybe she was like negotiated for like points on the back end for the movies and the merch and stuff like that. So because I feel like that's how people really like make bank in like, quote unquote, entertainment is like, that's how Star Wars. I mean, that's how George Lucas made so much money was toys, literally not the movies themselves. So, oh my God, did you know that? No. that that's like how he made most of his money. Yeah, it was the toys and the merch is how he made most of his money off Star Wars because he's a billionaire, like straight up. That is insane. <laughs> Put Stephanie Meyer and George Lucas in the same room. I would love to see that little conversation <laughs> going. And George knows absolutely fucking nothing about Twilight. And he's like, so, yeah, I heard you have a vampire book. Very cool. The kids love it. The kids loved my movies in the 70s as well. Uh, <laughs> so Stephanie Meyer had said, has said that the apple on the cover represents the forbidden fruit from the book of Genesis and Bella and Edward's forbidden love. So that's the little behind-the-scenes story about the cover on that one. The cover, also, the classic cover. Everybody knows the Twilight cover. Yeah, the perfect yeah. cover. It's so good, especially when they recreated it in the movie. I was like, oh, oh my wait, God, they did that. Wait, when do they recreate it in the movie? Okay, so they're in the cafeteria, and I 
I don't remember what's happening in this scene, but Bella is like grabbing food and Edward comes up next to her and she like drops an apple and he rolls oh. it up on his foot and catches it and holds it out like the cover. Oh, <sighs> good stuff. You're right. We love that. We stand. Uh, and then in October 2008, Twilight was ranked number 26 in USA Today's list of best-selling books of the last 15 years. Later, the book went on to become the best-selling book of 2008 and the second biggest-selling of 2009, only behind its sequel, New Moon. So, yeah, of course the renaissance was going to happen very shortly down the road when the movie came out. But those are my fast facts for you on Twilight. That's number three. What is number two? Because number two will tell us what number one is as well. So think about how you want to posit this because people are sneaky. They'll know. Okay. Well, it's hard. I really went back and forth on this one, but I do have my number one is very near and dear to my heart. Um, I'm going to go with my number two. My number two is the third installment, Eclipse. Um, Okay. Eclipse, the main conflict of the book is the love triangle. It is the huge love triangle between Bella, Edward, and Jacob, and they're both fighting for her affection. But there's also another vampire from the first book. I think that's, yeah, another vampire from the first book who wants to come back and kill Bella because Edward killed her mate in the first book. So it's the continuation of that but it's just sexy like (laughs) (laughs) it's so easy to place yourself in it and be like well this vampire and this werewolf are fighting over me like they both want my affection so bad but i think what stephanie meyer did in breaking dawn was really create this thing for jacob where jacob you think jacob is attracted to bella okay but in reality jacob is attracted to bella because Bella is going to have a child that he is going to imprint upon. And then as soon as that child is born, he no longer is in love with Bella. So it kind of ruined Eclipse on that front. But for the most part, it's just like so good. Just the back and the forth. And Bella wants to have sex with Edward so bad, but Edward won't do it because he's really um, traditional and he wants right. to save his virginity for marriage. And Jacob is just like convinced that Bella loves him back. And there's even a scene where he like forcefully kisses her and she punches him in the face and breaks her hand, wow. um, which for some reason that really just got my like 13 year old art. 13 year old heart racing (laughs) yeah no kidding something about it that was just so good um but the ending is like it's another fight scene like it is in breaking dawn but it's this vampire army that this vampire who wants to kill bella her name is victoria has created and so the vampires the cullens and the werewolf have to team up to destroy this army of young vampires um but it really comes to a head when jacob insists on well okay (laughs) yeah step back step back here what's really going on here (laughs) okay so the night before the battle edward proposes to bella saying oh my god basically we can fuck if we get married 
Yes. And so she accepts, but she doesn't really believe in marriage and like doesn't really understand it. But he's traditional, so she accepts. And then the whole part of the plan, they have to like, Edward has to take Bella out to the forest so that the newborn vampires don't catch her scent. And then Jacob is there trying to like keep watch over her. But it starts snowing. Okay. Oh. And Edward's skin is really cold. Yes. So he can't help Bella while she's really, really cold. But Jacob, because he's a werewolf, his skin is really, really hot. Oh my God. So he has to like <laughs> climb into the sleeping bag with her. And then when oh. she falls asleep, Jacob and Edward have this conversation about like how they both have feelings for her. But Jacob doesn't know that they're getting married yet. He has no clue. He thinks he still has a shot with her. Um, and then when Jacob leaves the next morning, Edward mentions something about how they're getting married. And you think that Jacob is gone, but Jacob overhears them. And then oh basically like runs off to go to battle being like, well, if I don't have a chance with you, then I'm just going to go kill myself in battle. Whoa. Yeah. And so Bella starts having like a hysterical breakdown and calls him back I don't remember exactly how it happens, but he like forces her to admit that she loves him and she does and they kiss. And then he goes back to fight anyway. And she has to like face Edward after that. Oh my God. And that they defeat the, the army of vampires, but Jacob gets really, really injured. So at the end of the book, she's still like conflicted between her feelings for her best friend, the werewolf and her boyfriend, the vampire. Wow. And that is why Eclipse is my number two. Wow. That is the number two. I can't even begin to think what's in store when we talk about the number one. Oh my God. That, uh, that gave me, that did give me chills a little bit to think about how she is so torn. Wow. That's that crazy. Thank you so chaotic much. chaotic retelling. <laughs> I'm impressed. You really, you really sold me on it, you know, for what it is. Thank you so much. That was beautiful. Oh my Thank God. you. Thank you for saying it was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're welcome. A uh, couple fast facts about Eclipse 2007. Meyer finished the rough draft of Eclipse before the release of Twilight in October 2005. However, she said that the final manuscript did not differ very much from the rough draft. That is some like, that is some like, I'm a great writer shit. Like It's like, <laughs> I just wrote the first draft. I t- made little tweaks here and there, but it's basically what I wrote on the first go around. I kind of hate down. hearing that. <laughs> I kind of, dude, I guess. Uh, originally, the book had a different ending when Eclipse was intended to be the final book in the series. Oh, Okay, so Eclipse was intended to be the final book in the series. Maybe that that's why sense. Breaking Dawn has so many weird-ass uh, problems with it. <laughs> why it sucks ass, yes. Um, uh, Meyer was signed to a three-book deal with Little Brown and Company. Meyer stated that the events of Eclipse are centered on Bella's choice to become a vampire and fully comprehending the price that she has to pay to undergo the transformation, which she didn't understand in Twilight and New Moon. She said that, quote, every aspect of the novel revolves around this point, every backstory, every relationship, and every moment of action. So that gives us a little insight into what her original plan was, or it's like Eclipse was going to be the last one, and then I guess it was so popular that they literally forced her to write Breaking Dawn, which this kind of puts her in a kind of crappy position a little bit, because it's kind of a lose-lose situation except for the money aspect of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
But damn, it's a good book. <laughs> but damn. But damn. Got to do it. Uh, according to Meyer, the book was inspired and influenced, like you said, okay, by Wuthering Heights by Emily Bronte, uh, although she does not like the book, which I think <laughs> that's crazy. She's like, yes, I was very much inspired by Wuthering Heights. I think it's a piece of shit. That is some Stephanie Meyer genius right there. That's really that. funny. <laughs> Love that. Uh, okay, the book jacket features a torn red ribbon. Although it was supposed to be disclosed to the public in May of 20 or excuse me, in May of 2007 at the Eclipse prom Barnes and Noble and Meyer's official website premiered the newly released cover in March of 2007, along with a preview summary of the book's plot. The broken ribbon represents choice as in book Bella, uh, as in the book, Bella must choose between her love for the vampire Edward Cullen and her friendship with the werewolf Jacob Black. Meyer has also stated the ribbon represents the idea that Bella is unable to completely break away from her future life. Big symbolism, big brain Stephanie Meyer with the covers. We love to see it. Yes. <laughs> Damn, she's a genius. <laughs> <laughs> she She is a genius because she figured out how to do all this and absolutely make teenagers go absolutely insane, which is a certain kind of genius, we have to admit. While also being Mormon. That, like... Yes. <laughs> like, that is just so much going on. <laughs> it's crazy that... So it's, like, interesting that Mormons were having a huge uh, moment in this part of the decade because not only was Twilight ripping it up, but the director of Napoleon Dynamite is Mormon as well. And so Napoleon Dynamite comes out in 2004, big Mormon push in mainstream media with Napoleon Dynamite coming out of nowhere and the Twilight series taking off in 2005. So listen, maybe they're the secret MVPs of this podcast. Shout out to the Mormons. Yeah, maybe they have the secret sauce. (laughs) Yeah, maybe we need to get, maybe I need to get some Mormons doing something with this podcast and maybe something crazy will happen with it. If you're a Mormon, uh, please let me know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, please. Uh, what Mormon dating website or something? I'm just trying to. I'm just. I'm just trying to make connects. That's really what I'm trying to do uh, with the Mormon squad. Um, okay, that's it on Eclipse. We all know what the number one spot is now, but bring us home with that number one spot, please. Okay, Ms. Ms. number one, second book in the series is New Moon. This is yes. contentious. I think most of the fans hate this book, especially if you're oh. Team Edward. A lot of people hate this book. Um, Yeah, I've even seen TikToks about it where it's like, you're mentally ill if you think that New Moon is the best book in the Twilight series. Yeah, but I guess I'm mentally ill because, okay, let me get you started on a little bit of plot. Okay, please. Okay, so the book opens. It's Bella's birthday. Okay. Okay. But she's having this dream where she goes into this meadow and she sees her grandma across the meadow. Okay. And she starts walking closer to her grandma and her grandma starts walking closer to her. And she's like, oh my God, hi, grandma. Because her grandma's dead. So she's like, what are you doing here? And then Edward comes out of the, the shadows and starts walking towards her. And she starts freaking out. She's like, no, Edward, my grandma is right there. She's going to see you because if he's in the sun, his skin starts sparkling and people know what he is or just something's wrong with him. But he keeps coming no matter what. And then she's like, okay, well, I guess I'll introduce you to my grandma. So she says, grandma, this is my boyfriend, Edward. But when she looks back at her grandma, she realizes that her grandma is also pointing to the open air next to her. And then suddenly she realizes 
that she is standing in a mirror and that that her grandma is actually her and that she has just aged <laughs> so much and Edward has stayed the exact oh. same. So wake up, what it's her birthday. <laughs> oh, oh my oh my god. I that is that is like that's so insane. <laughs> that is so insane. And that's just the beginning of the book? That's the beginning of the book. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so what do we have next? What's in front of us from that? Okay, wake up. It's her birthday. She is officially 18 years old. She is officially one year older than Edward, who is 17 and will forever be 17. So she feels like she has a ticking time bomb. Like she is just getting older and older every single day. So she goes to school. It's her birthday, blah, 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 blah. And then the entire Cullen family is basically like, Bella, we're going to throw you a birthday party. Come over tonight because Edward has a sister named Alice who she's really close to Bella insists on throwing Bella this birthday party, even though Bella's like, no, I don't like attention. I don't like when people pay attention to me, but she says she'll go to just make Alice happy. So she goes to this birthday party, but while she is opening a present, she gets a paper cut. Oh shit. So she starts to bleed. Right. And then the, there's the newest member of the Cullen family. His name is Jasper. He was a Confederate soldier in the past. Oh, shit. Crazy topic. Can't go into it yeah. right now. <laughs> I, yeah, please. We have to march on. But he is still kind of like bloodthirsty. So he starts to freak out. He tries to attack Bella. And then Edward throws her into the wall and she crashes into like a, a piece of glass. And she start, her entire arm is cut up. She starts bleeding. So they all have to like leave the room, but Daddy Cullen, Carlisle, is he's a he's a doctor, so he has to like right. stitch up her arm. And <laughs> so basically Edward takes Bella home that night and she can tell that like things are weird and he is just like upset about the entire night, feels like her life has been put at risk, and that is like his number one fear is that having her in his life is really bad for her. And that she is, like, unsafe and all he wants to do is keep her safe. So the next day she goes to school. He's not there. She comes home. He's standing in her yard. He says, come take a walk with me. He takes her into the forest and is basically like, my family and I are leaving. And she's like, oh, "Oh, well, like, let me pack up my things. Like, I'll come with you. I'll explain something to my dad. And he's like, no, you're not. You're not coming with us. And she's like, oh, my God. Oh, so you like what are you saying? What's, what's going on? He's like, well, I don't want you to come with me. And she's like, Oh, so you don't want me. And he's like, Oh my God. No, basically being like, I don't love you anymore. And then leaves her in the forest. She has like a full on mental breakdown, gets lost in the forest, passes out. And there is like this huge search party for her. One of the werewolves finds her in the woods and brings her back to her dad. So the rest of the book, it's like the next three to four chapters or so are just blank pages with like the months on it. So that was in September. So there's October, November, December, going into January. Those are all like blank pages of him being gone. And she's just like so depressed that she is basically like catatonic. She can't function. Um, But basically her dad like begs her to do something. And there's like some... 
I'm trying to keep this so short because I could go into so much detail. <laughs> this but, is, I can't believe that this is like happening right now in front of me. I'm being told about this in the craziest way. Yes, so keep going. The pages are blank. She's basically canatonic. Her dad comes in. Yes, and so she figures out that um, if she does like something crazy, because the last thing Edward said to her before he left was just don't do anything stupid. So sure. she figures out that if she does something stupid, she can hear his voice in her head. And all she wants to do is hear his voice. So she keeps doing stupid things. Eventually she finds these beat up motorcycles and is like, there's two of them. And she's like, the only person I know who can fix up these motorcycles is my friend, Jacob. So she takes them to Jacob and is like, let's fix up these motorcycles together. Of course. And then course. throughout the book, they become really close friends, but she's really depressed because Edward's not there. And I'm just totally glazing over it. The, the depression part of it is actually like probably the best part of the book because it's such a low. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that. Yes. Okay. But then she figures out that Victoria, this vampire that's in Eclipse, that they defeated in Eclipse, is coming after her. And she just keeps doing these crazy things. And then Jake eventually finds out that he's a werewolf and kind of brings her into his, like, werewolf life with his pack and everything. And then towards the end of the book, she goes cliff jumping by herself. Oh, my God. Okay. And, yeah, she almost dies. Jacob saves her life. Um, but when she comes back to the house, she sees that um, Edward's sister Alice is there because Alice has visions of the future. So she saw that Bella had jumped off a cliff. She thought she tried to kill herself. Okay. Oh, shit. Okay, right. Yeah. She, she was like, Bella, what are you doing here? I thought you died. And she was like, no, I just went cliff jumping. Um, and then somehow through one of the other Colin siblings, someone tells Edward that Bella killed herself that she's dead and he Whoa. goes he thinks now that she is dead i have nothing to live for so he goes to the volturi in italy and asks to be put to death they say no because they have too much respect for him so he's like okay well i have to trigger them to want to kill me so he's like i'm going to expose myself to everyone in italy and so Bella ends up flying to Italy to save him, to prove that she is still alive because no one can get a hold of him. And then they end right. up talking to the Volturi and they're all mad because Bella is a human and she knows that vampires exist. Um, but Alice promises that they are going to turn her into a vampire. And then they fly back to the U.S. And that's basically how the book ends. That was exhausting to hear about. That was... <laughs> crazy i re I literally feel like i just read 500 600 pages in just the span of like five minutes i'm Holy so sorry but that shit. i had to do it like that was no the entire book <laughs> please listen i ha, you've saved me a lot of a lot of hard work by having to read these books i feel like <laughs> i feel like i could participate in a twilight con now to be honest with you so it's just the journey uh, of a lifetime <laughs> It really is. I really feel like I missed a couple birthdays <laughs> listening to that. Um, some fast facts about New Moon, uh, the 2006 novel. According to Meyer, the book is about losing true love. And I think based on what you just said, I don't even know why I had to read that. But here we are. Uh, the title refers to the darkest phase of the lunar cycle, indicating that New Moon is about the darkest time in Bella Swan's life. 
Meyer wrote the book before Twilight was published. Writing the book was difficult for Meyer as she feared readers' reactions to the book and often uh, as she feared readers' reactions to the book and often cried as she described Bella's pain. Wow. Yeah. That's again, that is just pure. She is such this, a pure being. This could only have come out of her mind. That's crazy. It's intensely painful. And that's why it's so good. Listen, you're telling me, I just heard all about it. <laughs> um, reception for new moon was more positive than for that of its predecessor twilight some criticized some criticized the middle section's pacing critics generally however argued the novel was more mature in tone praising the character development and its depiction of human emotion so like you were saying that whole section where she's experiencing that depression oftentimes these books are criticized for how simplistic things seem and how surface level things seem but these critics these literary critics are actually praising it for how deep and depth of emotion that are being experienced and portrayed. So big ups for Stephanie Meyer and Twilight on that front. Yeah, she did a good job. Um, the cover art of New Moon was designed by Gail. I'm not going to get this right. This is a crazy name. Gail Dubinin, I believe is how you say that. I love that. I wish my name was Gail Dubinin. <laughs> uh, <laughs> photographed by John Grant. Meyer has expressed on numerous occasions occasions that she had no hand in choosing the cover, and she said that she does not like the cover. She described it as, quote, a very lovely ruffled tulip that means nothing at all. That is a crazy quote. I don't even know <laughs> what to say about that. Do you have any thoughts on that quote about the cover from Stephanie Meyer? Honestly, no. <laughs> okay, good. We're moving on. Uh, originally Meyer suggested a clock image for the cover as she saw time as one of the most important themes of the novel. However, the artwork team designed the cover, uh, the cover designed the cover of an image of a tulip losing one of its petals, aiming to represent Bella losing a drop of blood. Damn. Yeah. Some 40 chess again, being played by the cover people for these twilight books. I buy it. Uh, Leah, you have very graciously uh, walked us through all four of these books. We are sort of getting to the end of things here, but I don't think that I could let you get away from this podcast without ranking the movies. So in far less detail (laughs) than the books, can you just quickly give me your ranking of the movies? And there are five movies because famously Breaking Dawn was divided up into two parts, uh, probably because they could make more money that way is my guess. But we have five movies to rank here. Uh, give me that ranking from f- starting at five. Okay. Number four and five are respectively Breaking Dawn Part 1 and Breaking Dawn Part 2. They are so ridiculous. They are absolutely that, ridiculous. <laughs> I can't that, even that, separate them because they're so stupid. <laughs> Is, is would you say that Breaking Dawn one is more ridiculous than Breaking Dawn Part Two, or vice versa, or does not does that not even work that way in your head? I feel like Breaking Dawn Part Two is the most ridiculous, and okay. then Breaking Dawn Part One is like a little bit less ridiculous. I was told, and I read that Breaking Dawn Part One features a seriously graphic birth scene can you touch on the birth scene a little bit <laughs> it's <laughs> famous really messed a little bit. up it's really really, <laughs> really not good um yeah she looks like a corpse no like Ugh. literally they use like a wax figure to look like her uh yeah so it's, gnarly. the the way that the birth scene goes is not not kid friendly okay. <laughs> not even a little maybe 
Maybe we can just leave it at that. Okay, so <laughs> we got Breaking Dawn Part 1 and 2 occupying the 4 and 5 slots on the list. Uh, what comes in at number 3? Number 3 is Eclipse. Um, the only reason Eclipse is not number 2 is because Kristen Stewart's wig is so bad. It is so, <laughs> so bad. <laughs> okay, very fair. Listen, a bad wig can ruin a movie apparently can drop it down a whole spot so oh, yeah that's what we learned that's what we learned today um number two what's coming in at number two number two is new moon um just okay. because it has a huge nostalgia factor for me um and it is like stylistically i think the most pure of the movies it doesn't get like too weird okay i think director chris whites was behind the camera uh, of New Moon, and it's interesting because all f- all of the movies, all of the movies based on the books, so parts one and part two for Breaking Dawn had the same director, Bill Condon, but every other movie had a different director, which I feel like maybe sometimes is kind of typical. Star Wars did it that way for the original trilogy where it was different directors for like that. Peter Jackson obviously directed all of the Lord of the Rings. We had different directors for the Harry Potters as well, but there's like eight Harry Potters. So it's hard to get one person to do all those. But Chris Weitz, who directed New Moon, he also co-directed About a Boy, which is actually like an amazing movie. Have you seen About a Boy? No. Oh, it's uh, Hugh Grant is like the lead. And then what is his name? Is it Nicholas Holt? It might be Nicholas Holt as like yeah. a young kid who plays the boy, the titular boy. It's great. I mean, I loved it. I don't know. It was fantastic. <laughs> and Chris Weitz is one of the co-directors of that along with his brother. Uh, and Chris Weitz is also responsible for the American Pie franchise. Oh, so my God. Believe that. Yeah. Busy boy. Wow. <laughs> I know, right? We love that. We stand we stand in American Pie uh, and Twilight. He, listen, get you a man who can do both, right? <laughs> Yeah. So that puts New Moon. That puts New Moon at number two, which means that number one, of course, has to be Twilight. Yes, it is just like I know it's not everyone's favorite, but it is so funny. It is so just (laughs) hilarious to watch. There's so many good little moments. um it's so it's so kitschy in like the best way totally totally as someone who has seen (laughs) that one i can very much attest to the fact that very kitschy uh very silly the whole baseball scene yes absolutely over the moon ridiculous absolutely crazy um it's interesting because each of the twilight movies had the same screenwriter uh, and the screenwriter was writing the script for the first movie, and then the writer's strike, the WGA writer's strike happened in 2007-ish, so they literally had to write the screenplay for the first movie in like six weeks, no joke, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, and do you know who or- the original choice for Edward was for the first Twilight? No, wait, who is it? This is going to blow your mind when you hear it. The first choice for Edward was originally Hedder, or excuse me, Henry Cavill, who went on to go play Superman in uh, Man of Steel. What? And is Superman in, in the Justice League and everything. Yeah, he was the original want, and they said that he looked like a little bit too old to pull it off. And Robert Pattinson just happened to know some of the casting people who were working 
on the Twilight movie, and he was like an out of work London actor who had gotten like killed off in whatever series he was on and was like kind of struggling. And him and Kristen Stewart just like really hit it off. But it could we could have had a Henry Cavill as Edward. Can you imagine that? No, that would be so different. Holy Your hell. world would have absolutely been completely rocked. So. What would we do without Robert Pattinson, though? I can't imagine that world. Uh, you know, I think he would have found his way either way because as he's proven, uh, he is just a rock-solid actor. I mean, Good Time, uh, Damsel, I mean, everything, The Lighthouse, you know, everything he's been in post-Twilight has been fantastic. He's, like, probably the best part of every movie that he's been in post-Twilight, I would That's say. That's so true, yeah. I think that's a good note to end things on Leah. We've been talking for a while here. Thank you so much again for coming on the pod. I hope you enjoyed your time with me. I hope that uh, you I did. enjoyed it enough to at least lie to people and say that you enjoyed it. If you didn't <laughs> enjoy it. I had an so. amazing time. Thank you for letting me talk about Twilight for so long. <laughs> oh my God. Of course. Thank you. A dream come uh, is there anything you, uh, literally for me as well. <laughs> uh, is there anything you want to plug before we say goodbye? Um, huh. I would oh. say my socials, but I'm like, no, don't follow me. I'm fine. So no. <laughs> okay, great. Okay, perfect. Uh, don't follow Leah on the socials. You hear that? Stay away. Um, as always, you can follow this show on Twitter at MyFavePod, and you can follow us on Instagram at MyFavorite underscore podcast. You can also listen to my other podcast, It's On The List with Noah and Mason, where we talk about underrated movies and music believe when this comes out you can listen to yes you can listen to the episode with kelly Kripe, where we will be talking about i love my mom by indigo d'souza and blue jay directed by alex layman starring sarah paulson and mark duplass written by mark duplass produced by the duplass brothers so you can listen to that episode it'll have been out already after this one uh leah roach ladies and gentlemen thank you leah Bless up in the chat for you. Big thank Fs you, in the chat. Thank you, Chef. Thank you, thank you, <laughs> Chef. Yes. Please come back uh, and please tell us uh, how everything wraps up on Top Chef. The narrative you driven ranking, of Top Chef. Trust me. <laughs> I've already begun. Maybe that'll be, that'll, that'll be your next episode. You can rank each chef that has come through the doors of Top Chef. I would love to. Uh, all right, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your day. Bye-bye.